Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. All right, I believe you're going to find me pretty worked up after the slate of games we had earlier tonight. First of all, kudos to the Brooklyn Nets for their curb stomping of the Boston Celtics in Game 2. It would have been easy for them to lay back after winning Game 1 or replicate the same approach, and they did not do that. They came out better, stronger. They came out and moved the ball much better on offense. Recognized Joe Harris was not only hot, but giving a solid defensive effort and rewarded him by feeding him the ball, which is no small concession when you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant holding the spoon. This is why, also, I refuse to look at Game 1 as a statement. Because if that was, then what was this? No, this was the statement. Now, I still believe that the Nets have some rough sledding in facing the Bucks or Sixers, but for now, they're doing everything a team with their type of aspirations should be doing. As opposed to, say, the Clippers, who continue to confound with their unearned arrogance. I used to make a joke about Warriors fans prior to their championship run by saying, You can always pick out a Warriors fan in a crowd. They're just pure scar tissue. Well, we can move that joke over to Clippers fans, for sure. It is maddening how good that team is capable of being and how their best players don't appear to have an ounce of leadership medal in them when it matters. And yes, that certainly includes Kawhi Leonard. We are now seeing that he may have been part of a championship formula in San Antonio and Toronto. But he assuredly 
did not lead those teams to titles. Kawhi is ringless without Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili holding everyone accountable and providing the emotional drive necessary to get a team to the top of the mountain in San Antonio, or Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet doing that in Toronto. Maybe we didn't know that because we didn't know a whole lot about San Antonio, and we didn't know a whole lot about Kawhi. He was the silent type, but we saw his game, we saw his toughness, we saw his dedication to defense. We gave him a little more credit than he deserved. Or maybe we underplayed the value of having leaders, even if they're not your best player. They just have to be one of your best players. I think that's what we learned from those two teams, because that was certainly the case with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. I expected the Clippers to be a different team in the postseason because, one, I like the roster changes they made last summer, and two, I saw Kawhi making an effort defensively that I didn't see last year, before or after the shutdown. He was taking pride in his defense and demonstrating that he's still capable of being a formidable defensive player. A, I haven't seen that effort from him in the first two games against the Mavs. And B, I'm not seeing too much of the players, or I am seeing too much of the players that disappointed in the bubble and not enough of the new additions. 23 minutes of Patrick Beverly for three points and three assists while futilely trying to stay in front of anyone? 41 minutes of Kawhi and touches on nearly every possession for four assists and two turnovers. I don't care what he shot. I don't care what he scored. When you handle the ball as much as he does, you can't just get your numbers. You got to get other people's numbers. Meanwhile, only six minutes for Serge Ibaka, the acquisition from Toronto. Now, if his back is still troubling him, which I suspect it is, okay. But if he's not available, and the Mavs are finding ways to play small and exploit Avica Zubac, then I need Kawhi Leonard to step up and be the defensive presence I know he can be. I need multiple efforts and sharp defensive rotations and a swarming mentality from everyone. I need someone to show me they care. Instead, in Game 2, I have the Mavs shooting 58% overall. 53% from 3. Now they only had three offensive rebounds, so it wasn't second chance points. It was just moving the ball, knowing at some point a clipper somewhere would be slow to react or would be looking for another clipper to, to go do the work and a good look would represent itself. Down 1-0 at home, that's what the Clippers gave you. A first effort, but no second or third. I need way more Reggie Jackson and Rajon Rondo and way less Pat Bev. There's a reason Reggie was a plus three. Rondo was a plus 13 and Bev was a minus 11. I need Marcus Morris to punish the Mavs by playing hard, which means hitting the boards hard for more than two rebounds rather than hitting the Mavs hard with illegal screens for offensive fouls. Will I see any of that? Who knows? I know this. The Clippers are not winning this year's championship. You can book that. The leadership and commitment simply aren't there. Again. 
Leadership and experience loomed large in the Lakers' Suns game as well. I told you a podcast or two ago that a one-armed Chris Paul would not be enough to get the Suns past the Lakers, and that was painfully obvious in Game 2. The game hung in the balance in the final minutes, but Chris Paul was nowhere to be seen on the court, sitting instead on the bench with kinesiology tape on his bruised right shoulder. That made it a battle to the finish between LeBron and Anthony Davis and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. It turned out about how you'd expect. Size and experience do matter. Devin Booker tried to score over LeBron from 13 feet and then got upset he wasn't bailed out with a foul call. DeAndre Ayton received the ball in the middle of the paint guarded by Alex Caruso, but hesitated in getting his shot, which gave enough time to Davis to swoop over and block it. LeBron, meanwhile, had no problem hitting a baseline step-back jumper over Cam Johnson, he of the worst defensive rating on the team other than Booker, and then burying a three when Jay Crowder got wrecked by an Anthony Davis rolling screen, and Ayton watched from a safe distance as LeBron's shot sailed over his head. Anthony Davis contributed a wide-open three, and then campaign compounded, that's the campaign who was playing in place of Chris Paul, compounded it by losing the ball and then fouling Anthony Davis under the Suns basket with the Lakers in the bonus. They looked so much like the Suns last year, Devin scoring meaninglessly points from the free throw line down the stretch while the opposition, opposition rained threes on them that it once again validated for me why Chris Paul deserved to be on my MVP ballot. This, though, I will say was good information for the Suns. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton might be worth building around. We'll continue to observe and determine that through the remainder of this series. But only if you have a leader and orchestrator like Chris Paul as part of the package. I think it's safe to say you can't build around Booker and Ayton alone. You need a third, and you need a third who is going to be, if not the best player among the three, the biggest voice in the locker room. This podcast would not be complete without talking about the histrionics of one LeBron James. I'm not talking about him breaking COVID rules and only being fined and not quarantined. Actually, I think the leagues, they're in a tough place, but they, they're doing the best they can. They put, they put this protocol in place months ago. Let's remember this. Months ago, for a world and a league that was in a different place than it is now, their number one objective was to make sure that they were able to play games and that there were no outbreaks on any teams. And it worked. The protocol worked. So, even though months have passed, and even though things with the pandemic have slowly shifted, they saw no reason to massage it. But now, they're running up against everyone enjoying more freedom, players being vaccinated, restrictions being loosened everywhere, and there's just not a sense in the world, among players, that there's a pressure to avoid getting a positive test no matter what, because getting one just seems so damn remote. It's not top of mind. Now, I don't have a problem with LeBron only getting fined, I would have been fine if, well, I guess you have to find him. You have to do something. Uh, but just as I don't have a problem with Kristaps Porzingis being given a similar punishment for a similar infraction, suspending either one of them or putting them in quarantine 
would have been far too heavy-handed, would have been an overreaction. Let's face it, we want to see their teams play and play at full strength if possible. So let's not compound one mistake with another. What I just can't get over after watching the end of Game 2 is once again how LeBron tries so hard to project an image he desperately wants us to have of him. But how transparent his efforts are for anyone paying the least bit of attention. I could not get over how up by seven with less than 30 seconds to play in game two. He's running around giving animated instructions to everyone and anyone who would listen in their faces, jawing away as if this were a one possession game with three seconds left. I'm thinking, what is he doing? And where was all that energy in game one when the Lakers were down by seven in the fourth quarter with damn near seven minutes left to play? You know, when that instruction might have desperately been needed to turn the tide. I don't, he may have. He may have had a conversation like that. Certainly not as animated or heated as the ones that he had at the end of game two. I I just, I don't remember him instructing anyone that entire fourth quarter. I saw him sitting on the squirrels table at one time, sort of glum-faced. And like I said, maybe he did, but nowhere near the level he did in the final 30 seconds of game two. Now, why? Why why would he do one and not the other? Unless, Unless he wasn't sure if all that coaching and energy would actually accomplish anything in game one, which meant... It really wasn't worth it. And I know this. I am sure he knew exactly how the broadcasters would play seeing him go all Vince Lombardi in game two. Oh, look at LeBron. Making sure his guys stay focused right to the end. Still coaching. Still teaching. What a competitor. What a perfectionist. What a performance art artist is what I'm thinking. Oh, it's hey, it works. I, if I'm not mistaken, Reggie Miller, Kevin Harlan, I believe that's what they were saying at the end of that game. So, I'm sure there's some people out there they were listening and watching and ate it all up just like that. One last item I want to touch on is the Anthony Davis kick to the groin to Jay Crowder in the opening minutes of game two that was ruled a flagrant one. Uh, Davis, for those who didn't see it, did it attempting a step back jumper. And I'd say the extended leg is a natural occurrence for the shooter to keep their balance. The league has decided otherwise. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, I think the first time he did it was on a step back shot. They said, nope. I think we've seen it a couple other times by other players, and they basically outlawed it. What was interesting is that Davis clearly gave an extra kick to his, and he clearly made contact. Now, there is precedent for how to handle this, and both would suggest that AD deserves added punishment if the league is going to be consistent. I also realize that Reggie Miller is broadcasting remotely, 
But the tee-heeing and key-keying about Jay getting kicked in the groin and immediately downplaying its severity was just a little much. Jay is over on the sideline, wincing in obvious pain, and Reggie was essentially laughing at him as, as if this was an episode of Jackass. Now, when Draymond Green kicked Steven Adams in the groin back in the 2016 Western Conference Finals, he was assessed a flagrant one in the game, but a flagrant two upon further review the next day, though he was not suspended for a game. That would come in the NBA Finals when he swung, I swung, raised his arm at LeBron's crotch as LeBron derisively stepped over him. Draymond wasn't kicked out of the game then, but he was suspended for game five. And while I was there for that game, I, 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 the only thing I remember in game was that I believe they gave out fouls to both LeBron and Draymond. No technicals, no flagrants. Uh, but then subsequently, Draymond was suspended for game five, which of course proved to be a massive turning point in the series, the Warriors being up 3-1 at that point. It should be noted that Draymond, one, didn't actually make contact, and two, was on the ground in the first place because LeBron had pushed him there, then stepped over him as if he were a piece of trash on the sidewalk. Now, I don't like the level to which they're punishing the lay kick on on that shot. I don't like that they've basically outlawed it. I didn't like it when I first saw it, and I don't like it now. But if we're talking about fairness and consistency, and we take a look at AD's kick and the obvious pain administered, it's more than a flagrant one. We'll see what the league decides, since they seem to be in the mood of making less of a fuss over such things than in years past. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I know I've said this many times before. I will say it again. Do me a solid. However many stars, whatever comment, it, I want to feel like we have a little interactive thing going here. And my sponsors, take note of that interactivity. Also, it's been suggested. I am open. You know, right now we we're in the in the playoffs, so the the topics of the daily podcast sort of create themselves. But I'm happy to get suggestions on things that you'd like to hear me talk about, or questions you'd like me to answer. Maybe it won't make for an entire podcast, but certainly can be part of one. I'm happy to do any and all of that. You can reach me through my social media platforms on Instagram or Twitter or at buchorandfriends at gmail.com. Next slate of games aren't quite as sexy as the ones that we just saw. Wizards at the Sixers, Hawks at the Knicks, Grizzlies at the Jazz. I guess that last one carries a little bit of intrigue. See what the Grizzlies can do what they did in game one. And yeah, that's about it. (laughs) I'm not going to go further than that. Hawks-Knicks series might be long, but it doesn't mean that it is going to be necessarily captivating. Sorry, Knicks fans. Got to keep it real here, as we always do. And 
As always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.